As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome, everybody. Mike Sando here from The Athletic, along with the GM, Randy Mueller, with the Football GM Podcast. How you doing, Randy? Coming into, what do we got? What week is this? We going into week seven? Week eight? Week eight? I think it's week eight. Yeah, yeah. it's getting away from us already. I, I get sad when we when I start to get in the teens, college is yeah. already wound down. And the NFL now is on its on its downhill course soon as well. So uh, I always we'll, love we'll later in the season, though, because then you've started to look at some of the college players. And, you know, you start we start hearing about this guy or that guy. That's always fun uh, for me because I'm totally in the NFL world. So look yep. forward to that as the season goes along. We got a ton of stuff uh, this week. Some stuff breaking, even as you know, not that long before we came on. We're gonna hit some of the new stuff early with Robert Quinn trade, Matt Ryan being benched, Russell Wilson dancing in the aisles of flights to London. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, the Saints sticking with Andy Dalton, even though Jameis Winston's healthy. The Jets made a trade for a running back. Those are some of the kind of quick hitting things that we've had happen here. We have a few other topics we want to seek our, sink our teeth into today. The Giants with the Brian Dayball effect, what we think the future might be for Daniel Jones, the Bears crushing the Patriots, certainly some interesting fallout from that on Monday night. Packers this, Packers that. Matt LaFleur's talking about what Aaron Rodgers said. Rinse and repeat every week. We'll hit on that. We've got the GM notebook, a couple things in there on some big-time, big-name quarterbacks and what's going on. we got our picks, too, Randy, which, by the way, we were 3-0 last year, last week, so we're probably destined for a correction, I would imagine, this week. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Eagles acquire Robert Quinn, pass rusher. Off the top, Randy, you like this for the Eagles? I do. I think it's a good depth get for them. Obviously, they are without uh, Barnett, the other rusher that they had. I think it makes sense. I, I guess the most interesting part of these kind of deals to me are the new element in that 
teams now reduce players' contracts so that another team can have them. So really the compensation is how much are you buying down? So it's kind of yeah. like when you get a house loan, right? You're buying down the interest rate. Well, these guys are buying down their cap number. So, you know, yeah. I think that's part of it now. And we saw it last year with Vaughn Miller and uh, in his trade from the Broncos to the Rams. Now we're seeing it this time around. We saw it a little bit with McCaffrey last week when, when he got traded for a low cap number this year. So that's the enticing thing. The Eagles do pick up another pass rusher, another good player when engaged. Um, I think the, the downside of Quinn is sometimes you don't know what you're getting. The production really hasn't been consistent all the time, but there's no reason to think he won't be productive for the Eagles down the stretch. And and I do like it for him. I think the Bears are, I mean, we know the Bears are cleaning house on some old deals that a prior regime yep. um, kind of stamped. And and really, it's going to take them a while to, to flush everything out of their system uh, from the last regime in Chicago. Yeah, this totally makes sense to me because I think a player like Quinn, you put him in the right environment, right? A winning yep. team. Like he's not going to necessarily – it's just hard at that age with those accomplishments to just be all the way in and excited about what's going on if you're in a crappy situation or you, or you yeah. don't fit because you know you're not winning. The, the team – the team, the Bears team is in a different stage of its life cycle than Robert Quinn is. So it's right. just a bad fit at this point. I remember when they traded up, this is previous regime Bears, but you know when they, they had to trade up to get uh, Leonard Floyd. Remember, they had to move up two spots because we can't miss out on him. Then Floyd becomes a free agent. They let him leave for the Rams. They get Robert Quinn, give him a ton of money. He's older. They end up spending more for Quinn than they did would have spent for Floyd or than the Rams certainly spent for Floyd. Just... A mismatch yeah. of things, and now their regime timing is off on Floyd. So I, I like the deal for both teams. I think it's good. And um, if you're the Eagles, you weren't going to get Brian Burns, right? Right, Randy. People were talking mm-hmm. about that type of a trade. We were maybe, we weren't even sure the McCaffrey trade was going to happen, let alone a right. Burns trade. They couldn't move Burns from Carolina, could they? I wouldn't think so. I mean, it's hard to get good players to start with. Now you're yeah. talking about moving them for whatever reason, just because the timing isn't right with a rebuild, like you mentioned with the Bears. I just don't see that with Burns. He's a really good player and should be a good player for many years to come. Yeah. So there's no reason to bail on him. But I'm with you. I think it's, um, you know, it's days, it's times, it's it's regimes, it's it's all about you know options. And I don't think the Bears really are looking for anything big in this regard. But they get a mid round pick and. Uh, they can maybe do something with it next year. One of the things that was interesting, just on a personal note, was you know the news of the Quinn trade came down. And for, for us at 30,000 feet or people that aren't in the locker room, we're just assessing it totally on salary and picks and, and how it helps the Eagles. I thought it was interesting that Roquan Smith, the young linebacker for the Bears, found out about this trade during his media availability and actually was really – taken aback, you know, and, and kind of covered his face and looked like he had some tears. Uh, it's a side of it that certainly as, as someone who analyzes, I don't really think about that much. But for you being in the building, Randy, when you make a, a trade like this, to me, is just such a no brainer for Ryan Poles and their regime from where they're at. But there are there is a human element to this, too. Right. I mean, no that's doubt. their locker room. Yep, it's their locker room. It's also personal for all of them. And these guys have become a family at this point. So being the messenger is not the easiest thing, even if everybody makes sense of the move and why it's being made. Um, I remember one time early in my days in Seattle, and we had a former first-round pick that played with the Seahawks, and I was just a young guy in his scouting department. And we actually traded him to the Pittsburgh Steelers. This was late 80s. And Chuck Knox sent me out to the guy's house. This is before cell phones, before anything. (laughs) He said, you need to go out there and find him and tell him 
that he needs to come see me in, in my office and I'll explain everything to him. I remember going out to this, I'll leave the name out of it, to this yeah. player's house. He was on his deck, staining his deck, overlooking Redmond, Washington at a beautiful view. I mean, this house yeah. was awesome. And he was out there doing this work on a Tuesday oh, on a day yeah. off. <laughs> and I had to go tell this poor guy, hey, Chuck wants to see you. You know, you're going to get traded probably to the Steelers, you know, and oh you're going to go God. from, yeah, you're going to go from here to there overnight and, and you need to bring this with you to come see Chuck. And I mean, so yes, the messenger, wow. the message, the personal aspects of it are hard, but it was kind of a blessing for me in that early on. I learned because I felt terrible doing this. I mean, oh, I'm a 25 yeah. year old kid. I got out of college, but I got it. I mean, this guy's whole life was was this home and his family and yeah. everything there. And guess what? He's on a plane probably that night headed to another city and their world just got turned upside down. So I feel I feel for these players that do get moved and it is personal. Somewhere there was a half-stained deck that, you know, yeah. you had to buy no this kidding. property as is because that shows. I'll get back to that, yeah, next spring. Yeah, <laughs> when I get yeah, back. That is. That's the human yeah. component of this. You're just yeah. going about your business and your your world really is in someone's hands, which it is for anyone who goes to any job. You could be let go at any time, but you're not going to normally be traded. <laughs> you're right. not going to normally be traded to yeah. some random city and just have to do it. Uh, and Across the country. Yeah, oh, exactly. And be there that night. Be there yeah, that There's night. no period yeah. of adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. You can definitely see the human side of that. Let's get to the cult situation with uh, benching Matt Ryan, which... Uh, it was very interesting to me because uh, I certainly watched uh, Frank Reich the night before standing up yeah. for his quarterback, probably a little bit too much. But, you know, hey, I, on one of those interceptions, I should have got the call in earlier. Clearly, the, the coach-quarterback connection, especially the veteran quarterback, the, the coach who's been a quarterback, can be pretty tight. Yeah, This didn't feel like a – I mean, it wasn't clearly a Frank Reich move. Um, I thought that – dynamic of Jimmer, say the owner, meeting with Chris Ballard and Frank Reich like after the game. That type of thing's different with every team, isn't it, Randy? With like, you know, what are the owners even in town? What are the owners right. in the building? What are the owners watching the game? What are the owner expresses opinions about the game? What do you yeah. think of just the optics of that, that decision, your experiences with this is yeah. what strikes you? It's it's a hard one because I've never been a part of a decision that was made like this. Um, I feel for all the participants, but obviously it's the owner's prerogative. And you're right, everybody's different. Some places, the owner's engaged all day, every day. I've been other places where the owner you might see once every couple of weeks, and you definitely yeah. don't see him after a game. It's not like that's the ideal time to review what we're going to do. So when I saw this, it was clear to me too that Frank didn't really make this decision. I don't think Chris did either. Somebody did, and if it was Jim or whoever – I, what I thought about was what happens now when you make a decision like this? This is the third quarterback in three years. Am I missing somebody? I mean, this has been yeah. swings and misses for, for a while now. I, I, I felt bad for Chris mainly because I've been in that chair. Now how do you go sell the next move to the owner? Or can you even do that? Because this this one is, is, is hard. They're benching the guy because they don't want to guarantee him any more money uh, – the, the next year, subsequent year in 23 in this case. So they're starting a, a Sam Ellinger, the quarterback from Texas, who's in his second year. I don't know that he's ready for this, but does it make sense at all? Because then 
you've got to go to your locker room. You've got to explain it to your guys in your locker room that this is the right thing to do for us football-wise when they might look at you and say, well, this might be the right thing financially for you to do, but we want to win games. And Matt Ryan might give us a better chance than this young guy. They don't want to hear rebuild. They don't want to hear a step back. They're grinding, giving you everything they got. So there's yeah. a lot of different elements in play here, and, and I'm not sure how it ends at the end of the season because obviously Ursay is going to have lost faith in his evaluators and the decisions that they've made. Maybe he made this all along and he he acquired him and now he's really dismissive of Matt Ryan. I don't know, but the dynamics are yeah. messed up. That's for sure. Well, what's unique about this to me, Randy, is that we all, I can't think of another time when you had a top tier quarterback who's your franchise guy in his prime from an age standpoint, retired. So I feel yeah. like with most teams, it's fairly clear what you, how you're going to rebuild. If you are going into a place that's kind of ground floor, you may look to find a patch, a veteran to patch you, you know, a Matt Ryan type, but you're going to be identifying in the draft uh, somebody you're going to take and you're going to build your franchise from that standpoint. Uh, likewise, but, but if you have a team like the uh, Colts where they were kind of in the middle of this build around luck, Right. And so they felt like they weren't that far away. Shoot. The, the, the one thing they thought they could take for granted was Andrew Luck. He's going to be there. So let's get him a line. He's been a little you know, shell shocked from the hits and there's been some injuries. Let's get the line. So we fix that. Um, hey, let's get the defense just squared away. It had been pretty bad. Um, now, in retrospect, so, th- so then they end up patching kind of with a Philip Rivers. They patch. They, they took a little bit of a in-between guy with Wentz who maybe has upside but has played a little bit. And then you get an end-of-the-line guy in, in Matt Ryan. What do you think? Is there really a blueprint for that situation? I mean, uh, what do you think in retrospect? Should they have been more in the market of maneuvering for a highly drafted quarterback? or Right? What what would be the critique of what they should have done for the situation they were in, which is unique? I can't think of another one like it. It's definitely unique, and I think we're all in the business as GMs and head coach now of figuring stuff out, and you get dealt hands often, maybe not to the extent of uh, Andrew Luck retiring, but you get dealt hands that you, let's face it, it's a shit sandwich. I mean, you just don't know. Some days are like that, and you can have the best laid plans of mice and men, and it goes haywire, so you just don't know. Um, Whether they should have drafted one, I don't know, but the point is they evaluated Philip Rivers and thought, hey, we're good here. Then we evaluated Carson Wentz and gave up a bunch to get him and said, oh, we're good here. Then that didn't work out. Now we're giving up whatever they gave up to get Matt Ryan, and that hasn't worked out. So I guess going forward, or if I had to return on my investment, I would check the punch card that what are we looking for in a quarterback? Maybe the criteria we've set here just isn't working because We've been, we're 0 for 3 now. We haven't solved it yet. I understand we have a playoff team and that we wanted to do it with a veteran. Most people don't get four swings at the quarterback. You know what I mean? We talk about swings on hiring head coaches. Nobody gets three, suffice a a guy or two that I've ever been around. But now we're talking about a fourth quarterback. At some point, your credibility is a hard sell. and, And you've gone to that owner three different times. Now, he may have been involved in it and it may be partially his fault. I don't know. But well, certainly giving up on Wentz after one year was all about the owner, just like giving up Wentz. Now, I see a situation where once it goes bad, the owner comes in and blows it up. That's what's happened. They, they blew up Wentz, which, if, which look, Wentz wasn't great, but he's better than 
what they've had this year. I mean, I, I don't think they would have been worse if they came back with Wentz. Then you might be moving on to your third quarterback instead of your second. I see a GM who has been trying to get a guys that his head coach likes. I think there's a line there, Randy, probably somewhere that you understand uh, where, because you are trying to do what your coach wants. To, I mean, you, you can't you can't get somebody your coach doesn't like and have that work out. But you're also, as a GM, you got to do what's best for the organization long-term. you got to be able to tell the coach, hey, Frank, we're not doing X, Y, or Z. Look, I know you like the veteran and Matt Ryan, or, hey, I know that you think you can make it work with Carson Wentz. There's a certain point where you have to come in maybe and say, easier said than done, but no, we're not doing this, and here's the plan, we're doing this. Do you, buy, do you agree with that? Do you think there's been a little bit of a too much of, hey, you're comfortable with Philip Rivers. Hey, you're comfortable with Wentz. You've been with him. Hey, you're going to connect with the old guy, Ryan, which really wasn't part of a plan, by the way. Ryan fell to them. Their plan was to just get rid of Wentz. That's all they did. They didn't have it. <laughs> well, I think the plan might be flawed, and I'm not yeah. saying that you know, yeah. in any disrespect, but Yes. I mean, I've been with Frank Reich. I was with him with the Chargers for several yeah. years. I know him. There's no better man. He he clearly yeah. cares about his guys. But yes, I think at some point you you have to put out your hand and say, okay, that's enough. We're, it's not the friends and family plan. We're not going that route. We're going to do this. And I think Chris has to do that and probably should have done it a while ago. But yep. I don't know how he solves it now other than just have to go draft one because I don't think they could ever sell to anybody Here's another mid-level veteran free agent that's going oh, no. to get us over the hump. No. So, and now your team's you know. declining in other ways. Yeah. Their line's not as good. Their window has kind of closed or, or at least gotten smaller for them. The team needs more help elsewhere. Yep. They're not as good as they were. No, um, not at all. I think it's a hard one to sell in your locker room as well because those guys want to win right now. And, and okay. I just find it hard to believe that they are going to buy Sam Ellinger as the best option. You know, That's a business deal. Made by, if you say it's the owner, I don't know if, if that's the case. Yeah. I don't think it's the best competitive environment. You think Ryan Kelly wants to go this route, the center that they paid all this money to that gives his heart and soul every weekend? You know, I don't think so. So yeah. it's just a hard sell for everybody in the building. Uh, my read is that Matt Ryan was kind of the latest quarterback this team had signed primarily because the head coach wanted to wanted to coach this player, whether it was Rivers, whether it was Wentz, whether it was Ryan. Well, and well, I would imagine geez. that there's people in that building, uh, personnel people, Ballard, uh, Ursay, uh, whoever's in the scouting department, who really liked Sam, the young guy, or they, they, they wanted to at least see him already. And so now they're going to get their wish and get to see him. But the problem is it's hard to just drop in without having started a game when you, those offensive line issues they have aren't going away. They better well, hope I, the running I, game comes back, right? I mean, this could be a less than ideal situation for Sam to come into too. It is. And I don't know if you remember, Mike, back on our podcast, uh, it was last year or the year before, Sam Ellinger was kind of our guy. And he was a guy that I had dove into and, and really liked. So I see what they see and what they like in him. Um, I just don't know at this point in the season to turn it over to him yeah. so abruptly, all of a sudden, it's, it's a tough, tough ask, but I think so. So I would guess here my read on it from afar though is that Ursay and Ballard have kind of been itching to want to go this route, but it's hard to shell that on your coat to your coach. It's hard to just force a guy in your coach. But now it got bad enough with Matt Ryan that it was easier for owner, maybe GM, to say, This is what we're doing. Okay, we've had our chance. We can't we're not letting Pat Ryan throw it to the other team twice like that and pick sixes mm -hmm. and fumble and ten times and there's eleven times. We're done. We're not doing that. Yeah. That plan's over. Here you go, make it work. And so so are you saying it's it's Frank Reich's done at the end of the year? 
Well, let's see how the rest of the season goes. But I think he's certainly imperiled. I mean, I, I, okay. I think I, I don't see how if this now look, it's not like they're they're three, three and one. So it's, yeah. <laughs> they're in a bad division. It's not over. I mean, they could. But I think that it's improbable that they're going to if they do make the playoffs win in the playoffs. Right. I, I think it's I think it's a tough situation to return the status quo uh, for the you. owner to do that. Don't you? Well, yeah, I don't. I think something has to change, and but I th- think yeah. you're right. The, the next eight weeks will determine how much yeah. change they see as an organization. Yep. But I think the key point you made early on is this team's not where we thought it was. It's not as good yeah. as we thought it was. They're not the only team like this. Everything is built on paper, and then we get to see exactly what unfolds during the season. This was a team that ended last season disappointing, started this season disappointing. So change probably is in the in the future at some point but how much i don't know yep all right so talking about change in the future we more news this week russell wilson declares himself ready to play and randy i gotta tell you (laughs) we say lol let me correct you there's no change there's this is the same there's nothing changed go ahead sorry (laughs) well i laughed so hard because i don't know if you follow (laughs) darius you follow darius butler on twitter this is where i saw it no butler had this thing on twitter so uh he's somebody put together a video of like a plane. Uh, and by the way, Russell Wilson came out and told the media that, hey, after missing the game with the hamstring, I worked out and trained for four hours <laughs> on the flight to London and I'm ready to go, right? So they're picturing him in the aisle while the rest of the teammate uh, try to sleep. And and by the way, uh, KJ Hamler, the receiver there, uh, retweeted over this, said, uh, no BS, LOL, which I think is like saying he's not lying. He was doing this in the aisle, which reminded me of Russell Wilson going through the fake workout in pregame when he wasn't going to play last year. But Darius <laughs> Butler had this very funny video. Everyone should find it on Twitter. It's a picture of a cockpit. like a, It could be like a stock video of a cockpit. So you see all the backs of heads uh, you know, at, looking up the aisles. And it's just people going on a flight. It's not like someone on a team. But it's just a flight. You can hear it cruising along. Then somebody took that uh, commercial of Russell Wilson where he's in his jersey and and it's like uh, outtakes for a commercial where he's like, let's ride, let's ride, let's ride with different intonations. And they have Russell Wilson in the aisles of the plane. It's superimposed in there with this video. So it's a plane cruising along and you can see Russell Wilson in the front going, let's ride, Bronco country, let's ride. And no one's reacting in the planes. I thought it perfectly captured the disconnect here. Uh, I noticed you wrote in our notes here, Randy, please, can we stop? Are you just trying to get me fired up? And now you're shaking your head. Um, what do you got here, Randy? If you're the GM on the plane and your quarterback's been through what... No, no, I want to put you on the plane in George no. Payton's chair. I'm doing this. And you know all this stuff that's really... Maybe you're even thinking on this flight, shoot, I've never wanted to get out of the country more than I have right now. Let's just get out of here. We're going overseas. Maybe I won't come back. Maybe I'll just disappear into the streets of London and they can have this team. But in all seriousness, now your quarterback gets up and for four hours is in the aisles doing stretches. Under the circumstances, you're shaking your head. What do you got? Well, I don't care if you stretch for 15 hours. Why do we have to feel like we need to tell the media this and go step by step with them? I just have never seen an ego at work where there's lack of awareness of how this might turn out. If, I, if I'm if i just sharing everything I can, it's all self-agenda driven in my opinion. So oh, yeah. it's really hard to take it serious when it's always about him, always makes it about him. Um, 
I, I don't doubt his work ethic. That's great. I want a guy that's going to work. I just don't want to talk about him working harder than everybody else. I don't care who's sleeping, who's not. I mean, you know, that part of it just gets old. I, I mean, all the way from the Wolverine blood to all the other gibberish things we've heard from him that's, in my opinion, self-serving. Hey, yeah. if I'm George Payton, I'm not asleep because I just gave this guy $200 million and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do now. So there's no way George is sleeping on that plane. <laughs> what, do so, you, what do you do if he plays bad this year <laughs> and all of these types of things just keep going and intensifying things that are going to alienate you from the team and just make it hard to, to be about the team, uh, but you're stuck with this contract. I mean, what could can you come? I mean, this sounds really premature after six games, but can you come back next year like this? I don't. I don't know how you can. I mean, someone's going to pay the price, whether it's the coach or somebody. It can just a doesn't team come back. How how do you? Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying this after seven games, but I'm seven weeks or whatever. But I'm just having a hard time seeing this be the way it's going to be forever. Well, it's it's we saw it unfold in Seattle, yeah. so this is not surprising to us. It's been like this for the last couple of years. Everybody walking on edge eggshells around the building. I found it funny that. Schefter's tweet a week ago. If oh you just gosh. break that down as to where do you think that information came from? It was almost to the point where Russell Wilson did everything he could to play, but the Nathaniel Hackett held him back with both hands. He had to grab him around the waist. You know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. This guy's obviously, such a gamer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's come on. I mean, it's crazy. So I just, I don't know. I just tire of it. And it's hard. It's a team sport. It really is. But when Someone is always bringing attention to themselves. It really makes it hard. And maybe yeah. I'm too old school and oh. everybody's, you know, does their own thing now. I get it. There is branding. There's business interests and everything else. But I just find that the, the messenger in this case is deaf to the to the, yeah. to See, the listener. You, know? you got to play. All, you got to play good, though, if you're going to do that stuff. All that stuff is tolerated if you're playing really well. And people still may roll their eyes at you or, you know, whatever. The stuff in Seattle where the teammates always sort of had you know, didn't, there was always those rumors or reports that yeah. it wasn't eye to eye. I think that stuff can all work if you're really playing well, but when you're playing poorly, I don't know how long it, you can go with it. And that was kind of my point in, in seeing yep. this is you better start playing well for this thing, or it's going to get crazy there. All right. Couple well, he, more he won't yeah. like my, he won't like my pick section when we get to the end of the show then, because yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm, not, ask- I'm not drinking what they're, what they're selling for Kool-Aid. I can tell you that. No. Two more news items here uh, off the top. So Andy Dalton's going to start, even though Jameis Winston is healthy. And I don't know, Randy, I've had a problem with the Saints this whole time of trading away future picks, trying to make a run now. I thought that was predicated on, hey, Winston started to turn a corner last season, uh, took away the interceptions. Maybe we feel like we can do this. I didn't buy that. But now we're going to stick with Andy Dalton. I don't know if you saw Andy Dalton against Arizona. I mean, it wasn't... (laughs) Like that was a clinic in how to play quarterback position. What's going on? Well, I tried to take what Dennis Allen was saying literally when he announced this, and he made it clear that this was an offensive staff decision. Um, I think they're going to give Andy another shot, obviously, but probably with a shorter rope. He was no different than Jameis in that the turnovers compounded and, and really were the reason for the loss. I, it, what it tells me is they're kind of done with Jameis. Whether yeah. that's good, bad, indifferent, whatever, you're not going to if you're not going to play him and he's healthy, it tells me they're done with Jameis. So that relationship may be frayed at minimum. The sad part is if you're part of the Saints and you know you need a quarterback for the future, 
you don't have a first round pick. You gave that to the Eagles last year to move up for Chris Olave, which I love the player. Yeah, um, your number one receiver. Yeah, he's a really good player. But maybe your your maybe your goal is now to get a first round pick for Sean Payton. Maybe you can get well yeah. in that regard. Or you're gonna have to pick a quarterback probably in the second round, which isn't out of the question. We know we can find him. Um so so that's it's just a little different. I think personnel guys think that without a first round pick, we're screwed. We're screwed. Well, I don't know if that's the case with with this Saints team. I'll give them credit, they're going to do everything they can to spend every dime they have to make this run last as long as they can. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I commend them for doing that. I, I want to have expectations that we're there every year, not that we're rebuilding. So I commend them for that. I just think it's it's a tough spot um, for the quarterback. You know, Obviously, with no Sean Payton, you've got a new play caller, Dennis Allen. You've got a new head coach. I don't think it's all on the quarterback play. I don't think that's the reason that they are yeah. where they're at. But there's a combination of a lot of things that aren't working right now. So hopefully they, like you mentioned earlier, with regard to the Colts, it's a long season. It's in They're in a division that is winnable. Yep. We all know that Tampa's yeah. not you know, running away with it. Carolina already fired their coach. Atlanta's just average. So it's, it's not out of the question that the Saints could come back and win four or five in a row and be on top again. So time what, will tell. What if the Falcons won that division? I just hadn't really thought of that. That would shock me, but I give Arthur Smith credit. He's doing more with less. I don't think they have a talented team. They're definitely not a yeah. playoff talented no. team. But, hey, what, what did Yogi say? You only can beat the teams you play. And if you play every game to, to win that yeah. game, yep, good coaching really comes to the forefront. So we'll see. Yeah, I've been impressed with them too, just for how they play. And I, they could have been a team to me that was just a disaster to watch every week. And they're yeah. – they, they're feisty. They're playing. So I think the key to that. him and and the Falcons for me, Mike, is they have structured an offense around a quarterback skill set, and we don't we take that for granted. But when you look around this league, it is littered with square pegs trying to be fit in round holes when it comes to offensive schemes with quarterback skill set. And so I give Arthur credit. He knew what he was getting in Mariota. It fits with what he was going to do with him. And there's no doubt that they're running a scheme that Marcus Mariota is a is adept yep. at doing so there's no bad fit with regard to that and i think that yeah. gives him a heads up it really does it gives him a head ahead of a lot of teams in the nfl and we're going to talk about that in a bit here as we get to chicago last news item is james robinson running back traded to the jets from the jaguars uh, after the jets lost Brees hall who was really their explosive play threat. I don't know if you've watched the Jets offense. I feel sorry mm -hmm. for you if you have, but um, <laughs> Hall had a 60 plus yard run last week against a really good Denver defense. They lose him. Add James Robinson. What do you think? Well, I think it's another good move. I like these trades that are being made now because they serve a purpose on both sides. Um, obviously yeah. the Jets are, are in the mix in the AFC East. They think that they lose a running back. They're able to get one for little or no uh, fee it's a rental. It's an eight-week rental. Obviously, Robinson has a history of being a productive back. He was going to be a restricted free agent for the Jaguars in the offseason. They clearly weren't going to tender him up because he was a free agent as he entered the uh, after the draft. They would have had to tender him at a fairly high level to get any compensatory pickback or any compensation back for him signing elsewhere. They didn't want to do that. So I think it's a good move for them. Obviously, Travis Etienne played well last week. He's a running back that they spent a first-round pick on a year ago. Uh, right, wrong, indifferent. He's going to be their guy. 
So it kind of makes sense for me again on both ends and, and it could end up being a, a good get for the Jets for sure. Yeah. And these are sort of, you know, we always think about the big trades like McCaffrey, but there's a ton of these that happen that just are kind of a little bit under the radar, but make sense for both teams. And if you really know the rosters and look at the contracts, you can almost probably predict some of these. Hey, this would make sense. Yeah, I agree with you. The only thing is, and this used to always make me nervous, when you're the team that's giving away a player or trading away a player, you're trading away depth as well. And heaven okay. forbid something yeah. happens to Etienne, but let's say he sprains an ankle and misses four or five weeks. Now where are we at? And the Jaguars are kind of right. in the mix right now. So if they have another back, hopefully they feel good about a third back that would allow yeah. you to move this guy. That's all I'm saying is you're eating up some of your own depth when you give these guys away as well. I would never do that with an offensive lineman per se because you're going to always need him. You know, so yeah, yeah. it kind of yeah. depends positionally where you're at. Um, is it's, running it's back a, one where you feel like you can get a guy even if off the, off the street if you had to get a guy or not really? Oh, I think you can. I think that's a position that, yes, can be more plug and play. I know one yeah. year with the Saints, we went through three guys. We signed Terry Allen, who was kind of at the oh, end yeah. of his end of his rope, but he came on and rushed for 100 yards two or three times, and he'd only been with us a week. So I do think you can plug and play those running backs just by teaching them a little bit of the offense, and it's on a week-to-week -week basis so they don't have to know the whole scheme. Yep. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, let's hit some of these other topics that we really like. The Bears crushing the Patriots. I did not have that down as likely to happen on Monday night, but there was a ton of interest coming out of that game surrounding Bill Belichick's handling of Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, how the Patriots are going to proceed at the quarterback position. But that's probably just going to work itself out over time. Agreed. The yep. bigger takeaways here from this game, Randy, were what for you? Well, the big takeaway for me is it's the first time since Justin Field has been a bear that I have felt anything was done game plan wise, scheme wise to really suit his skill set. And I thought the bears finally acquiesced. I don't know how they came to this conclusion. Some of us have been saying it for weeks. Some of us have been saying it yeah. for over a year that they need to do something to use this kid's skill set. We know he's big. We know he's athletic. We know he's got a big arm. We know all the good things he can do. 
Why are we making him drop back, stand in the pocket, process coverage, and then choose a target? Let's do all of this stuff for him. Let him build some confidence. He'll get to that at some point, but they just never would tailor an offense that he could have confidence with and be productive and effective. And they did that on Monday night. You saw his running skills. You saw his big arm. You saw the play action, RPO stuff that all of this stuff should have figured in. I thought it was the best game plan and therefore the best performance of Justin Fields' career. Yep, and you can see what that type of approach has done for Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. Another, exactly. Another, another kind of like Fields, uh, a good runner, a guy who seems to have his head square on his shoulders, yep. someone who seems to work at it, seems to be smart, but really needs some fine-tuning in the uh, and, and time to develop as a passer, as a drop-back passer, which is hard for everybody. I but, think you saw yeah. it in the body language of Justin Fields as importantly as anything yeah. because we saw him the couple weeks prior, the pounding he was taking from drop back passes oh in my the pocket gosh. and getting killed. He had wanted no part of that. He knew it wasn't going to work. He knew it didn't fit with what he wanted to do or could do. And this was a total different feel. Did you see him dancing in the locker room afterwards? I mean, this kid was genuinely giddy about the results of, hey, this is what I can do. Finally, someone gave me a chance. And I just felt his whole vibe and really the vibe, I'm guessing, for Chicago as a city changed in one night. I, I did hear a little bit of how this came about, and I don't know if this is true or not. You probably know more about this than I do. Than I do. The front office got together with Matt Eberfuss yeah. and kind of brainstormed a little bit as to how this plan was going to evolve and what they were going to do with his usage, and it actually came together pretty good. So I commend yeah. them for working together and finding, the, in my opinion, the correct solution. They had a mini buy there, okay? So they played the Thursday night game, Chicago did. And remember, after that Thursday night game, we talked about it last week on the show, after the game, uh, Richard Sherman and these guys on the Amazon broadcast, they went all in on Luke Getze and those guys. I mean, they ripped them for the plan mm-hmm. for Justin Fields. And then after the game, that, that to me helped make it more topical. It's sort of, sometimes, it, sometimes when you're uh, covering the team, uh, you're a little bit, you're, the, when you get in those situations in those press conferences, it's not always easy to just ask the really pointed, hard question in a blunt way on certain mm-hmm. topics. It can be. And yep. yet, for me, when Sherman brought that up, it like broke the ice. And now in the post game, and I don't know if this is true, if this is how it happened, it could have just happened anyway. But I felt like that line of questioning suddenly got a lot more aggressive uh, after that game. And so then they Makes go sense. on. Then they go on a mini bye week. So they play Thursday. They've got that weekend now where the staff's probably off until Sunday, right? They're probably off a couple of days, and that gives you a chance to get together and say, "What are we doing?" And and yeah. the other people in the building are asking those questions too. Hey, what yeah. are we doing? You've got an offense you want to run. We got to retool this thing. I thought that was very encouraging. And you talk about Justin Fields as a runner. There were two plays in that game that, as I went back and watched it, that were really interesting to me. One on the goal line run where uh, where Justin Fields goes and runs over to the left side for a touchdown. Watch the DB for New England, number 13, yeah. Jack Jones. He's had a nice season for them. He's replaced J.C. Jackson. He wants nothing to do with Business contact decision. the goal line. Business decision. Nothing to do. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this was the matador defense. The bull's yeah. coming, and you get out of the way, and you went, how did he not get gored by the bull? Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, this is – and this has happened forever in football. I'm not, yep. I'm not saying, guys, it's different now or whatever. I don't know. But that was just so obvious to me. Like, this is a formidable running back as yep. a quarterback. This guy's 200. What does Justin Fields weigh, Randy? 
He's 235. Yeah. 235. Yeah. This is not um, Jim McMahon running in for the Bears. Yeah. Okay. So Kyler if Murray. I'm, if I'm is, a little yeah. DB there, <laughs> normally the the football watcher would be like, I can't believe this corner doesn't want to take the quarterback on. Right. Yeah. Well, you take him on. This guy right. is weighs as much as Eric Dickerson weighed. You yep. want to meet that at the goal line when he's probably going to score anyway? Same thing on the sideline. Sideline run. And I know the officiating has come into this too of whether you can hit a guy when he's going out. Same guy, number 13 for the Patriots. He, he wasn't going to hit. Wanted no part of it. He wanted no <laughs> f- part of fields on the sideline. Yeah. And to me, that shows you, I'm not really saying anything about the guy for the Patriots as much as I'm showing you, this is the this is how formidable he is as a runner when you're running him on offense, not reacting in the drop back game and yeah. having to three guys hitting into your legs because anyone's going to lose that battle. I'm talking about when you run them on a design run, shoot, not everybody wants to tackle them. Especially in the fourth quarter. Cause guess what? He is still 235 in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and those guys are tired and they've been through it and, and you're right. They start to make business decisions and yeah, it's not easy. It, is it was awesome easy. for Justin Fields. I think if you've been sort of feeling for him this whole time, yes. you, you felt like, woo, hey. Vindication, some you, some chance, yeah. Yeah, you see a guy who's just getting beat down, and you're like happy for him almost that this was able to work out that way. Uh, right. Another team we're happy about, the New York Giants. Six and one, going to Seattle this week. Chance to get a road win, maybe get to seven and one. Um, pretty interesting there, and we're, it's a great segue out of the Chicago game because we're lauding yeah. the Bears for finally adjusting this offense. We didn't really have to wait for uh, Brian Dayball to do that, did we? Week one. I, did they play Tennessee in week one? Was that the first yeah. game? Yeah. Uh, using u- using the mobility of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley in the two-point play that won the game. Yep. Uh, pretty cool. A Dayball effect to you is what? And what are the implications here? Because this is a team with some decisions to make. No doubt. And we should not be surprised. It, it's only... You know, uh, look up the road to Buffalo, and he did yeah. the same thing with Josh Allen. I mean, yeah. everybody was ready to can Josh Allen after two years too. But guess what? He he went back to what Josh Allen can do. Yep. They ran the ball. They ran some RPOs. You're talking about a big dude. He play action passed. He he ran some predetermined target throws, which he didn't have to sit in the pocket and read. And look what he's become. So I don't. I'm not comparing Daniel Jones to Josh Allen, but I think the teaching techniques and the learning curve that Brian Dayball went through with Josh Allen is going to be effective with Daniel Jones. And he's done some of the same things. Daniel Jones has struggled with three different head coaches, three different OCs, and he's in year four. We talk about the Jets screwing up um, their quarterbacks in the past, whether it was uh, Sam Darnold or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. The Giants have been no better. Okay. Even, Even John Mara admitted last week that We've done about everything we can to screw up Daniel, Daniel Jones. Yeah. So the best thing they did was hire Brian Dayball so that that process can start. Now, it's a shame that it's taken four years to start, but it is now in play where his skill set is being utilized in an offense that exactly fits what he's doing. He is a great athlete. He can run. He can play action pass with the best of them. He's really a good ball handler. He fakes. He runs RPOs. He uses hand and eye fakes. Very deceptive with the ball in his hands. 
That's a whole nother story. He's also got a really good arm when his feet are under him. So when play action passes uh, are, are presented to him, he can zip the ball into tight windows. What he's not good at is the same thing we talked about with Justin Fields, sitting in the pocket, reading coverages that are combination, hard to sort out, you know, uh, struggling to find a target and throw the ball on time. That's when he struggles. I was impressed last week in particular in a couple plays where they, they faced man-to-man or it was really man-free coverages in the secondary. Yeah. He tucked the ball and ran right away. There's nobody guard, nobody that's uh, responsible for the quarterback when they're playing man-to-man defense, unless you have a spy. They did not in in the case of of the Giants game last week, and he ran for big yards because of it. So I just love what Brian's doing with him. I think eventually Daniel Jones, if this year continues like it is, I think there's a good chance that you're going to find that the Giants are going to try to pay him and keep him as their quarterback of the future, just because he fits exactly with what Dayball wants to do now. And I think it can evolve into another offense once he masters this task. Now, he's a year or another year probably away from catching up to where the passing game needs to be for them to be really good. But I love the fit right now. And again, it's not easy around the league. We see places that don't fit the quarterbacks that they have. This one is fitting. And I credit Brian Dayball for really constructing an offense that works with the skill set of his quarterback. Absolutely. You know, and I'm going to do a Giants podcast later today uh, and I'm going to have the depth chart ready because, so I don't get stumped when they start asking me about who these guys he's throwing the ball to. Because well, it's not well, like that's he's another got, story. But, yeah. but we're not talking about that. And yeah. that could be an easy excuse for this team. Oh, we don't have any weapons. Yeah, that's why he looks bad. Yep, we're a year away. It, right. We're taking it on the chin. This is a team now that is going to win enough games. They're not going to be drafted in the top five, top ten. They're not going to be in the draft for a quarterback. That's so, why, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, yeah. I was going to say, that's why I love the upside of Daniel Jones because they don't have him surrounded with anybody. It's neighbor kids running around for the most part, but they're doing a really good job. Steve Slayton is is doing his <laughs> thing. Robinson, me. the young kid's doing his thing. What's that? Oh, you just make me laugh sometimes. Like you come up with the great things. Neighbor kids is a great one. You just threw in neighbor kids. You had another one. You had one last year that used to say, you said uh, you called somebody a slow blinker last year. Like they don't process that quickly. So slow blinker yeah. neighbor kids are going on my list of things that I can use now and sound like well, I've been an executive yeah, for 30 I mean, years. Yeah. Point is we need to upgrade that, but I think we can do that. We can definitely upgrade. And that's why I think there's upside with Daniel Jones. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think we might be burying the lead here, though, a little bit. And I wrote this for a yeah. column on Mueller Football this Ooh, week. Look at the plug. MuellerFootball.com, everybody. Get over there. Yeah. The lead might be that Saquon Barkley is as good as there is in the league right now. Oh, yeah. And he may be the most dynamic player I've seen so far through seven weeks. He's wow. back, and he is big time. And some of the moves that he's making gave me goosebumps watching the tape last week. Really an impressive dude. And, and you again, love a great back, Randy. You, love, oh, you always love the great back. Yeah. No, I love the ones that give me the feeling they might score anytime they touch the ball. And he's yeah. to that point now where he might score anytime he touches the ball. So that is is another factor that Giants fans should be excited about. How they pay him, I don't know. I don't even know if they can. But I know this, he's a difference maker, especially when he catches the ball. And Daniel Jones is yeah. using him in that regard too. Their scheme is working right now. Daniel is fitting in and so is Barkley. So what I want to ask you about is the evolution of him as a passer, because I did watch their game last week and he shoot, he had four zone reads for 40 plus yards. You mentioned the times taken up off, off field when he had to and certainly hit some passes. There's limited weaponry. Do you feel, uh, what was your read on him as a passer coming out? Do you feel like he's just going to be fine there, that that's a thing that'll develop for him as he gets some weapons or do you have concerns? I don't really have concerns because of where he's come this year. 
I have had concerns, Mike, for six years. On Daniel Jones. Because I don't think he's – before this season, I said it, and I'm sure we talked about it on the podcast, I saw the same quarterback I saw as a sophomore at Duke. I don't think he got any better. In his last two years in college, in his first three years in the NFL, I just never saw improvement. But I've never seen a scheme matched with him like it is now. I think what's going to happen is he's going to master this scheme and eventually become a pretty dang good drop-back passer. Okay. In the eyes of a, of a, you know Eli Manning or something like that, not special, but a pretty good drop back passer. That's just what I think. I think there's enough skill set that we've seen all along. It just never developed, and now we're seeing it develop. So I don't have a ton of concerns with where they're going. I think this offense is probably good enough to win. As a scheme, they can yeah. upgrade the personnel around it still, especially like we said on the perimeter. But I think his passing skills are going to be good enough. I really do. He still struggles with certain coverages, and I think I mentioned that, where he'll take some unneeded risks, and you just want to say, whoa, whoa, Dan, wait a second now. He has really improved from a number standpoint in reducing interceptions, reducing fumbles, and increasing his his, uh, completion percentage. And I think that's even going to go higher when we get some good players around him, much like it happened with Josh Allen. His completion percentage went up, and it's not always – on the quarterback. He's got to be comfortable with the people on the, on, on the perimeter that he's throwing the ball to. I've said that about Josh Allen at Wyoming. He was throwing the neighbor kids at Wyoming. So everybody said, oh, he can't throw. He's not accurate. His percentage of completions is way down. Well, I'm, I'm not sure John Elways would have been any better throwing to the guys he was throwing to it in certain times. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So we'll so, see. So, you know, obviously we think Kenny Galladay's Come and gone. I mean, that, that's not coming back yeah. with what he can do. They did take Kadarius Tony. He hasn't played. What do nope. you want for him? Is it is what you want for him just what you want for any team? A big, tall, fast receiver, or tight end, or somebody? Or is there something in particular that you think would be great to add for Daniel Jones? Well, I think I don't think he has a one, and I'm not sure he has a two. Yeah. So uh, a Chris Olave. Uh, uh, who's the guy the Jets got? The other kid from Ohio State this year. Oh um, yeah, uh, Wilson. Wilson. Somebody like that, a frontline guy, they can really use that. And then I think they'll mix and match a little slot guy to get separation. Um, They've got some things they can do to that wide receiver room that I think will make Daniel Jones still better. But I don't think they have the quality right now to be a top-level offense, per se, that has any dynamic ability at all. Great. So if we want to talk about a team that does have great weapons, perfect transition again, Randy, to go into the Packers. I mean, because who would you rather have, the Packers receivers or the – or or the uh, or the Giants. We get the Packers next on our list, and man, be careful. I don't know, man. Be careful. I don't have the same love for these Giants or the Packers receivers as others do. I don't see. Well, who does? But who loves them? Who loves their receivers? Well, I'm just saying. I, I'm not sure. I wouldn't rather have the Giants guys, to be honest with no, you. No, I know. I think the okay, Packers are right. terrible. I think the okay, Packers receivers right. are, are absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, and we do want to talk about them today. We're going to save for the GM notebook. I think it will transition from Packers into the GM notebook, where we get more into Rodgers and his. Uh, nonsense or yeah. sense, whatever you think. But uh, Packers issues, this was probably a team, I don't have it in front of me, but I bet you their win total, Vegas win total before the season was high. You know, they, they mm-hmm. were, they're they a team that was favored to be in the mix. Um, and yet here they are three and four. And uh, I don't know if there's a way, if there's a way out, I'm not getting confidence from Matt LaFleur listening to him talk that he knows what it is. Uh, yeah, I hear you. On what's that. your think, yeah. what? Well, go ahead. You you put down four or five bullet points here. What do you want? <laughs> what do you think on the Packers? And you're and let's you know keep obviously the GM chair sort of you know if what do you think needs to be prioritized? Those types of things, right? Well, I think if the dike is leaking and you start to put your fingers in the holes, 
I don't know if you have enough holes. I don't think people fingers, realize yeah. that this is not just about young, inexperienced receivers. It's really not, um, in my opinion. Okay. I think it's about going away from the run game. I think it's 12 rushes for 38 yards last week. I think it's an offensive line that's struggling to stay connected on defenders. They're flopping around getting penalties, um, getting pushed yeah. back, getting dominated sometimes at the point of attack like they did against the Jets. I don't see that changing. I see an underachieving defense that given up 470 rushing yards the last three weeks. That's 150-some per game. I mean, I don't know what you're going to win giving up that kind of rushing uh, yardage. And then you're talking about special teams that I know they brought in Rich Bisacci. It hasn't been fixed yet. I mean, they got a punt blocked a couple weeks back. They're still not playing there. And I'm not ready to dismiss Aaron Rodgers as being part of the you know, solution, but not part of the problem either. I saw him miss easy throws last week. Um, I think there's plenty of blame to go around. You mentioned Matt LaFleur. So, so my point is there's a lot of stuff, right? There's a lot of stuff. If I was the GM, Brian Gutekist, I would find a way to make a deal, not only for one receiver, I'd probably find a way to make one for two. Wow. And I'd also be trying to find a way to get another offensive lineman somehow, some way. Even if you have to mortgage and overpay, Mike, I think the message has to be sent to that locker room that we can't go on like this. We're going to bring in some guys and we're going to do everything we can to improve our roster and in turn, you know, make us make us accountable because we're going to start replacing guys. And some of that Aaron Rodgers has said uh, that's a whole nother topic is yeah. him controlling the narrative. Uh, on his McAfee show every week, which I want nothing to do with. But when you give a player like that a seat at the table, you're going to have to deal with that. But that's something different. I just think on the field, you're talking about multiple levels of issues that they've got to try to solve. And we're not talking about, for better or worse, an indie situation where the owner, Jim Irsay, sitting there gets pissed and says, we're doing this and that. There's no, no. one there to say, we're trading for two receivers. There's kind of a collective of people from the GM to the coach, obviously the quarterback now has a seat at the table, President. Uh, but there's not, but is there, you know, how, if you're good in that situation where there's not an owner you're talking to, um, is it harder to make that type of a move in the season? Who makes it? Well, I don't think there's any, he has, Brian has to make it in my opinion. I don't, I don't. Yeah, you think it's easy? Just he just does it, and it's says, easy to do it. Up. It's it's yeah, it's harder to find the right fit. I, but I I think if I was him, I'd be grinding and and have been grinding all along, trying to find some way somehow. I probably would have already signed uh, OBJ, okay, and got him in the rehab and got him going as to where we're going to be Thanksgiving wise. Obviously, we'd know where he is physical wise. Be teaching him the system already, so that if he does get healthy for the last four or five weeks. We, we, we're ready to roll. That's one. Yeah. yeah. Do you think he, he's any good though still? Or? OBJ? Yeah. Fine. He finished the season awesome, Mike. In okay. the Super Bowl, he was really good. The playoff run, he was really good. Now, yeah. where he is with this knee injury, I don't know. But yeah. that's as good a guy as, as talent-wise you're, right, you're going to find on the street. But I would still try to be making another deal or two to, to upgrade the system. I think that Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, those guys are projects that may be good players at some point. I just couldn't wait any longer for it. Watson's been hurt. He's not going to develop this year because he hasn't got the chemistry and he hasn't got the reps because he's been hurt all the time. Dobbs is suspect catching the ball no matter what. So he was that way when he got there. His inconsistencies got to be ironed out. That's just not acceptable at the NFL level. So you've got to find different options for your offense. I don't know that Randall Cobb is an option. It's horrific. I mean, yeah. But after the game, whether Rodgers would say it or not, you know, there were seven or eight balls should have been caught. I watched it. I counted seven. 
Yeah. I mean, there's just seven plays that you're not going to make all of them, but you should make five of them. I mean, those are drives. Those are fourth yep. downs. Those are, th- this doesn't have to be that hard, but something you said earlier caught my attention about the offensive line. Cause that has always been kind of a strength. They've had Bakhtiari, they've had Elton Jenkins, they've had guys before they had Corey Lindsley, you know, they've, they've had guys yep. that were pretty good, found some guys in the draft. Um, and so what struck me about that was in the last couple of weeks, they played the Jets, Quinn and Williams, tough up front. They played Washington, who hasn't always played good up front, but they got an all-star list of first-round picks. Up they're they're going to play, yep. they're gonna play Buffalo keeping. this week with Von Miller. Then they're going to get a little bit of a respite with Detroit. Um, it doesn't have that type of a front. But then they're going to play Dallas. Uh, yep. You think Micah Parsons is pretty good? Uh, mm-hmm. Then they're going to play Tennessee, which doesn't have anyone that really you, uh, you know, on paper, but just watch them play. Watch those yeah. guys play up front. They're a they're a problem up front yep. for people. They they took Washington apart a couple weeks ago. Yep. Uh, then they're going to play Philly, which now has Robert Quinn. And then you're going to play Chicago. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're going to have a bye. Then you're going to play Aaron Donald and the Rams. Then you're going to play Miami. Did you see Miami's front against uh, defensive yep. front against Minnesota? Looked pretty good. No, I hear you. So that's a lot of games with strain on your offensive line to come this season. When we're all talking about weapons, and rightfully so, but you got to be able to run it and, and do that type of stuff. And Against those fronts, I don't know. It's going to be hard. But yeah. you've also got to want to run it, too. I don't consider yeah. 12 carries for 38 yards as even trying to run it, and that's what they had last week. So yep. Yep. I think there's a lot of struggling parts. I don't yep. know that it can all get fixed, but if I were the GM and, and just keeping it at that, I would yeah. be trying to make some additions to my team like yep. crazy, probably there more than ever, yep. and I would not sleep at night. I would be grinding, trying to find a way to get better. And Absolutely. give our guys a chance and send the message to the locker room that we're not giving up either. We're going to do everything we can to hold us all accountable, including yep. me. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Perfect segue into the GM Notebook, where we are going to talk a little bit about Rodgers. Today, Matt, as we record, Matt LaFleur sort of rationalized, tried to justify, play along with what Aaron Rodgers had said 
uh, on the McAfee show, which was basically this. Hey, I'm playing great. Got my highest grade of the season from Tom. From Tom, you know Tom yeah. is Tom's Tom Clements, their uh, quarterback coach. Got my highest grade, but man, we sure have a ton of errors on this team. We we are mental errors. Guys should probably be benched uh, more or less. Uh, but man, just I had my highest grade. Just so you know, um, I was really <laughs> good. Uh, important for everyone to know that. And Matt Lafleur said, "I think that we have to be truthful with one another, and sometimes the truth hurts." Granny, is that, <laughs> is that the truth? Is that the truth here? You speak some truth out of this. What do you may? I mean, we've talked about this before, but um, this is sort of new level here. Well, it's definitely a peculiar way to lead. I'll give you that. I, I would not want my leader no. doing this. I would not want him saying this. I would not want him putting himself above the others and trying to hold everybody accountable. I would like a little more humility. Again, I, I saw the film last week too, okay? Tom might have given him a high grade. I'm not going to give him a high grade because I saw a lot of throws or several throws that weren't on target that I think he could have thrown better. I would like to see him emphasize that as well instead of throwing everybody on his team under the bus. So I just think it's a hard situation to solve because you've paid this guy $50 million a year now, and now he feels like he has a chair at the table and he he's gets to set the narrative for the team every week. I just, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, there was I mean, a- I know he's Aaron Rodgers. I get it. We want to win. But there's a lot of stuff that's coming with this now that I don't hey, know if, if, they, if the Packers knew they were signing up for it. I don't know. It's, it but, makes but it really problematic. But this is a whole new part of this GM game is, yeah. is the McAfee show and, and Instagram and the Twitter. Yeah. And you don't have – the coach can't – I mean, what's the coach doesn't even have snap face or as, yeah. as uh, Belichick calls it, right? There's all <laughs> these face. other ways. Remember he said – what did he say? Something book and snap yeah. face and snap book. He was making fun of it. But yeah. – but, these are this is a whole new realm. This is a whole thing that exists for Aaron Rodgers. That, um, shoot, you know, you were uh, so let's just say, uh, you were with uh, Ricky Williams or somebody like that who was in the media uh, or his story was big. If he'd had his own show where oh, he was yeah. talking oh, about, boy. you know, the uh, this or that, you know, that's a whole it's a whole nother level. Is that Rodgers barking in the background? Yeah, sorry, man. I don't even know what to do about that. No, it's fine. It's good. She, it's it's. I think we just leave it in the show because it's uh, perfect. This, we got we got dogs barking, we got yeah. players barking, we got the uh, McAfee show, we got the whole thing. So I don't know if there's. But here's what I want to know: Is this a, a problem for the Packers, or is it just kind of an annoyance? Well, it's it's definitely a annoyance, but I think it's above that because it's something now you have to spend time worried about and monitoring all the time. But we said this last offseason, what's he going to say next? What's the narrative going to be this week? So it's something that we almost have to combat. Something tells me he's not being used as a messenger by the people in the building. That's for sure. He's kind of going rogue every Tuesday and feels like he can say whatever he wants whenever he wants. And really, there's nothing the Packers can do about it. So I I don't think he sees it as being harmful at all. Uh, I happen to think it is, but that's just my style of leading. I don't think any of us are smarter than all of us. And uh, he obviously does. And that's a hard one for, for when you build a team uh, around people that need to be working and playing together. But he may end up, you know, uh, kind of disassociating himself from his teammates if he keeps hammering them and throwing them under the bus. That's for sure. Yeah, I think he just needs to. It, there's, there's a way to do this both ways. You don't have to say that everyone sucked and I played good. I, I think you can just say, hey, yeah. we need some time. You know, look, we obviously need some more time together. I mean, guys are doing their best and, and yeah. it's my job leading this team to 
to try to get the best out of him. I, th- I think one of the issues, though, that I have, I don't know if this is a big deal, but symbolically it's a big deal for me. When you've got, you sign the huge money deal, you know you've got a bunch of young guys and then you, you stayed away in the offseason. I think that's yeah. one thing that bothers me um, yeah. about trying to get the rapport. Is he doing everything he can? Has he done everything he can to get on the page with these guys, to give them the confidence, to mentor yeah. them? I don't know what he's doing behind the scenes. Right. He could be great on all of those fronts. But from what I see, can see from afar, not being there and then right. saying these things, I got my questions. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And here's the other angle. And let me ask you this. Do you think he's going this route because he doesn't think the team is being held account held accountable by Matt LaFleur? Do you think he's taken some of this uh, coach role yeah. to kind of discipline because he doesn't feel like they're getting that somewhere else? I don't know the answer. I'm just throwing that out yeah. there. Maybe, maybe Matt LaFleur doesn't feel that he can do that to Roger's team, that he can be the guy to hold accountable because – Rogers is such a big, fi- you know. Rogers is such a big figure. Rogers is, hey, I thought Goody did a great job. You know, Maddie had a nice game, called a good game. Hey, Tom <laughs> graded me this. I mean, yeah. he's talking to, hey, you know, you know who Craig is? Craig's yeah. Craig Rolstad, the referee that he talks to during the game, and then talks, oh, talks yeah. about Craig. Yeah. So everyone's <laughs> first name basis for Aaron. He's bigger than the team through his accomplishments too. I mean, he's bigger than Matt Lafleur. He's right. got a lot more accomplishments. So I wonder if that is part of this dynamic too. Does he kind of? Yeah, and then you have this weird dynamic to me too, where there's certainly guys on the team that are there because they're Aaron Rodgers' friend, Randall Cobb, Mercedes yeah. Lewis. You're, you can't tell me those are the guys <laughs> the personnel department wants to have on the team, but you're trying to you're managing it around. Yeah. Uh, it's problematic. Too. There's no doubt. Yeah. Any way you look at him, it's problematic. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Speaking of problematic, what we, we don't have as big of a GM notebook this week because we had all those other things we talked about. What's the other yep. thing you got in the GM notebook today? Well, the only thing I thought of was the the two quarterbacks that have done the quickest about face that we've talked about Rodgers at nauseum, but the yeah. other one is Tom Brady. And everybody's wanting to know what's wrong with Tom, what's wrong with Tom. I don't know what's wrong with Tom. When I see Tom, I see a a, a gaunt, disconnected soul that looks lost to me. He looks like he has no energy left. He looks like he's just going through the motions. But more than anything, I see a guy that has his tight end stripped from him and has no slot receiver. And those have been his two security blankets for the last 15 years, whether it was Gronk or somebody else, Wes Welker or Edelman or whoever. They're missing those elements in Tampa. And I think that's really affecting this offense. The other thing is they can't run the ball, Lick. And they need to find a way to to make play action mean something for Tom Brady. It's going to slow down the rush. It's going to do all kinds of things. And they just haven't been able to do that. So – I kind of feel bad for Tom. I always, and I don't know what's going on in his real life. I don't claim to. Yeah. It doesn't sound even, great though, does it? Doesn't, yeah, it does not sound, sound good. And and thus he doesn't really look good either. He surely doesn't look energized. And and he's affected people positively his whole career. And that's, I don't even think debatable. I just oh, yeah. don't know if he's still affecting people positive right now, whether it's, yeah. you know, some of the actions he's had away from there, whether he's missed, uh, you know, a plane here or a meeting here or whatever for other things. He just, it just doesn't seem like this is the aura of Tom Brady that we're used to. It's a great point of uh, the football points, a great point about the two staples. Cause I think, I think in new England or when he's been good, which is most of the time he's had at least one of those things, the slot or the tight end at an elite mm-hmm. level. He didn't yeah. always have both, but for a while there, when Gronk missed, then he really went down his stats. And then in New England, and then after Edelman developed, it was kind of when he, you know, when he was out. Then and then if he and Edelman, if Gronk and Edelman were out, you know, that was a, the issue. So I think that's a great point. The thing I wonder about with Brady is, 
let's just take at face value some of the things we've read that that basically um, one of the reasons his marriage is reportedly um, you know uh, in jeopardy is that he continued to play right that is the, the idea that his wife uh, you know was just really looking forward to him retiring and part of that I could certainly sympathize with because I think there's you, you have to be all in in this profession to do it well but I think he is I, I think he actually is what Russell Wilson is trying to portray. Russell Wilson is trying to portray that he's in the aisles doing stretches and he and that he's got right. Wolverine blood in 24 hours. I think Brady lives this 24 hours. I think he's in the oxygen chamber. I think he does all of those things, whether it's pseudoscience or whatever, whether mm-hmm. it's part of TB12 marketing. I bet you that his entire life 24-7 revolves around his ability to play at this age, and that could be difficult for his family. So... If he gets divorced, and remember we sitting during training camp, look, I'm 45 years old. I got a lot of stuff going on. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he still loves to play. I think he still can play. When he's protected, I think he can do it. Now, you take away the run game, you take away the slot, you take away the tight end. There's no one playing when yeah. you take away those things. Okay, Rodgers, I don't think, has slipped at all physically. But you take yeah. everything away from him, it doesn't look the same. Right. I wonder if Tom Brady, if let's just say he uh, gets divorced or whatever, let's just say he gets some resolution of these things one way or another. I wonder if he plays a couple more years. Because we think this is the end and, oh, it's winding down. Yeah. I don't know if that's how Tom Brady goes out. What do you think? No, I think it's a good point. I hadn't really thought about him continuing to play, but I just I don't know if he's enjoying it enough now to continue now, to play. Not now, but, but, yeah. but, but could circumstances be set in the future to where – Look, I've never been through a divorce, but I can only imagine someone who goes through a divorce, that has to be one of the most traumatic things you could go through in your life. I think it would affect anybody. Uh, if And he's going through it publicly. He's got kids. He obviously is involved in his kid's life. It could be very messy. I agree that that, that on top of everything else that happened, the tampering thing with Miami, the offensive lineman retired, the center got injured, Mike Evans is not 100%, Gronk retired, there's a new coach. The whole thing's a mess. I just don't know that all of those things are going to be a mess to the same degree they are now in eight months from now. So I've wondered, maybe maybe this is it, and he goes out like this. I just don't know if that's Tom Brady, and I don't think he's done physically. So that's just my two cents. And, and you might be right, Mike. I don't know. I just think that I, I find myself asking, why is he doing this? What, what does he have to prove? I understand he yeah. wants to do this forever, but I got news for you. Father time is undefeated and it's going to get us all eventually. That's just the way it is. So I think at some point we all go through this. Our mind makes appointments that our body can no longer keep. And I I just think it's. Do you think that's what it is though? Because I I don't think that's what's happening right now. Yeah, I know you're saying you think think, physically. Do you you think physically, like like if, if I were to go through all of their offensive plays this year and just cherry pick 10 great throws, I don't think you'd say. You know what I mean? I mean, he he still makes some great throws. Now, he's got guys in his lap all the time. They're rotating a left guard in the game. They yeah. got two guards in the game. And yeah. they're both, there's guys in his lap the whole time. So that's just my point is I, I think there's a lot of other things besides how he can play that, right. are, that are making this happen. So Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't know where he's going to find a perfect world for all that. I don't know. I just think yeah. it's hard. Yeah. And there's always going to be deficiencies on your roster. And it's going to be reflective on Sundays. And I don't think yep. he's having a lot of fun on Sundays. That's all I'm saying. I got you. Yep. So maybe, who knows? I was texting with an agent yesterday. We were speculating on like, hey, where would, 
Yeah, if he asked for some kind of a trade, you know, where would be the places for Tom Brady? And we were kind of having fun with it, you know, and, and kind of, uh, oh, yeah, would it be this team or that team? No, it wouldn't be on the West Coast. His family's on the East Coast or, or whatever, you know, just trying to find yeah. a spot. But it's just kind of in my mind uh, a little bit with him that I don't know if he's going to go out like this. We'll see. So other uh, than the Houston Texans, did you find another place for him? Or Yeah, I did. Hold on a second here because I, <laughs> I wasn't ready to do this, but I'm going to look no, at my I text because I know who I was texting. Uh, hopefully, uh, let me see here. No, this is actually interesting. We did come up with a decent one. Okay, let me go into here. Oh, okay. I said, uh, yeah, th- in fact, the agent said, back to the Northeast, doubt it. Because I was joking about go back with the uh, Patriots and finish it up. But I was joking. <laughs> uh, and I was joking with Giants and Dayball. But uh, the Raiders... When you go to Vegas or not, nah, Derek Carr, you're you're good for the future there. I don't know. I just thought, yeah, um, yeah, 49ers. I mean, are they putting themselves in such a predicament here where they're giving away everything to do it right now? And if Trey Lance is still developmental and Jimmy finishes up, they they probably regret not showing interest in Brady last time. Would you do that for one year? And he comes home to 49ers and finishes. Would could it get to that point for them? It might. I, I, I'll be honest. I'm out on it, it wherever yeah. it is. But if somebody yeah. might bite, and I can totally understand it, I get it. Yeah. If you were Tampa and going to reset, could you? I don't know. It's just it's just really talking off the top of my head, which usually bad things happen when we do that. <laughs> but speaking of bad things, let's get into our picks because I'm sure I'm going to blow these. Uh, <laughs> last week we were three and zero. Randy, you Nostradamus took Dallas yeah. minus seven against Detroit. Were you worried at all when it was ten to six? Or no, you had it the whole way. I figured Detroit would find a way to come through for me. <laughs> and they did. How about they completely the, stopped? The minute it became drop back pass, it was like yeah. sack fumble on every play for Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> that was very interesting. They, they, the Detroit ran the ball in third and seven to start the game because they didn't yeah. want any part of this. No. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting thing of like the bravado of Dan Campbell. And then they walk into this game and they want nothing to do with Dallas. So that was interesting. Um, I, you also, other than playing hard, I don't know what Detroit has going. And I love Dan Campbell and they I play too. hard, but yeah. I don't know what else they got. Going, I don't know what we're honest. doing. And the record is yeah. going to be terrible. So yeah. um, you also took the Jets plus one against Denver. You got that one. I took Kansas City minus three against San Francisco. Wow. Came out good on that one. The Chiefs yeah. are really good offensively. Yeah, going to their bye this this just in. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, we did have some questions on them too, you know, and oh, man, there's not right. a lot of questions right now. So hats off to them. What picks you got this week that everyone can run to the bank on? <laughs> I don't know that I'd run anywhere on these picks. There's some peculiar numbers out there this weekend yeah. with regard to odds. And I, I'm going back to uh, Denver again, and maybe it's just my uh, unwillingness to drink the Denver Kool-Aid. But they're yeah. in London, as you mentioned. They play Jacksonville, who's in London. Jacksonville might be London's team here uh, someday soon. Yeah. You never know. But uh, – Jacksonville is a three-point favorite, and I'm going to take them. I think they're going to actually get after Denver quite a bit. So I'm I'm with Jacksonville, even though I got to give three points. Um, I think that's. The I shot two and a half on mine, so maybe yeah, yeah, you that might be really matter. Good. We need to settle. Oh, that let's make it two and a half now, so you're even in better shape. All right, I yeah. like it. I'll take Jacksonville, yeah. given the two and a half, and the other one. I'm going back to the well on Detroit again. Hey, if it ain't yeah. broke, don't fix it, right? Miami's against Detroit in Detroit. Miami's a three-point favorite. I think they're too good for Detroit. I did, like I said, I just don't know what Detroit can hang their hat on right now. Oh man! Other than playing hard, I just I don't think they have enough talent to. I think Miami's I a talented team, so I'm. I, I do too. I I, don't, I think Miami, you know, having a having a week under two his belt to come back, you know, because it was a little probably he's probably a little yeah. rusty last week. Yeah, he was but, not sharp. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I think there's a lot of good there with them um, offensively. I don't know if Tua can stay in there the whole rest of the season, but with those receivers in a dome on that turf against that defense – I'm taking um, the over. I'll, I'll give you that. I am there could be some points over. scored. <laughs> yeah. And we'll see. You know, Miami's defense has some issues, you know, too, injury-wise. Uh, uh, but up front, they – now Detroit's decent up front, too. So that's a, that's just an interesting game. Yep. Um, What's I your think, game? Well, last week I only did one because I've, re- I've really been Dan Campbell tail between my legs on third and seven with some of these picks. <laughs> anyway, I'm You're gonna, running, running the ball on third and seven. I'm going to go big. I'm going to pick three games. This oh, week. wow. How about okay. that? Or maybe Roll I don't dice, get one baby. of them, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking so, about. So I'm going to take the Bengals minus three and a half at Cleveland. Um, there's been a lot of close games for Cleveland and down to the wire, but um, we can maybe we'll talk about the Bengals next week because I know you, you're not 100% all in on them kind of based on who they're playing. But um, just watching Joe Burrow recently uh, against Atlanta, which is a, not a great defense, man. And even when they got in his face, I don't know if you saw the one, the linebacker just drilled him in the teeth. Yeah. And he put that ball out in front of the receiver, who made a great catch, but oh my yeah. gosh, Joe yeah. Burrow in the pocket. I'm taking him against that Cleveland defense. I think yeah. they win. So it's one. more about Cleveland's defense than anything else. Huh? It, yeah, but Joe Burrow against a bad defense? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got I yeah, got I think they're going to score a lot of points, and I think um, it looks pretty good for them. So I got I'm going to do that one. I'm going to take the 49ers and just take my point at the Rams. The Rams have had some time to get ready for this, uh, but – you know, maybe Isn't the there quite a week. string there? Though? Don't the 49ers own the Rams? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's a good matchup for the 49ers. And, yeah. you know, the Rams it question mark right history. Yeah. Yeah. The Rams question mark right now is defensive is off is offensive line. So yeah. I, I think the 49ers coming in, you know, have a have some good pass rush. And, and I think uh, having some actual time with McCaffrey to get him in, I think it was hard to get him in the middle of the week. And they got him in for 21 snaps and he was fine. But I bet you now you're going into a featured game in the division. You've had a week. Uh, I would be very interested to see, are they using him in the slot? Uh, does they have tricks up their sleeve? I, you know that Kyle Shanahan's going to want to dial that up. So uh, I like that. I'm going to take Tennessee and give a point too at Houston. I mean, to me, a giving a point, giving a point doesn't worry me that much in a game that's probably going to be decided by two or three or four, right? I mean, a point to me, I think Tennessee's just the better team. Um, now, Tennessee won last week without scoring a touchdown on offense. So that is uh, a little bit concerning for me. I feel, I've felt right. like Tennessee, this is how it's going to be, Randy. I've doubted Tennessee the whole time. And then the minute you go with them, you realize why you doubted them. This yeah. happened last year too. We did the same thing with Tennessee multiple times. Again, we just got to face it. Tennessee is, is going to win ugly. And yeah. uh, they're going to have a stinker every now and then. That's just the way they are. Did, did you see the thing? I think you did it. You see that that thing on Twitter they showed Rabel with his center Absolutely with Ben loved Jones. It. Man, Absolutely I, that'll bring a tear it. to your eyes watching yes. that thing. Seriously, that, is that what the game's all about, Randy? It, it's unbelievable. That is what the game's all about. And that was two warriors, and nobody knows it like Vrabel. Yeah, and it just yeah, I love it. it gives your heart and soul as to why you play this game yeah. and the love of the game. And I, I love it. It sounds corny, but I'm with you. It brought goosebumps to me, and and yeah. I thought it was outstanding. It's that aspect of the game that really does make it the game. And I, I thought of that with Roquan Smith crying, you know, yeah. during the trade. I mean, the, the emotion, the investment that goes into this, it's not just draft picks being traded for cap space, you know. It really yeah, it's is not people. fantasy football, that's for sure. Yeah. It really is people, and you're, re- you're reminded of it in those moments, you know, how much it, how much it means um, to the people that are involved and, and exactly how yeah. hard it is to play the game. It's just a physically draining and risky right. game to play. So... For us, we got the easy part. We just get to talk about it. We do it now every 
Thursday. It goes out live on Thursday. And uh, we'll do it again next week. Randy, I'm going to tell people where they can find your work at MuellerFootball.com. You can find Randy on Twitter at RandyMuller underscore. I'm Mike Sando from The Athletic. You can find me on The Athletic and at SandoNFL on Twitter. Thanks for coming along. We'll do it again next week. This was The Athletic Football Show.